Welcome to the California Work Comp Report by RateFast. I'm your host, Corey Olson, here with Dr. John Alchemy to discuss impairment rating deserts. Tell me a little bit about impairment deserts, John. Hi, Corey. So <clears throat> impairment deserts are something that's kind of become an interest of mine in the last uh, four to six months. Basically, we've all heard of financial deserts or food deserts. Financial deserts are uh, geographic areas that don't really have access to good financial products, loans, um, so forth. Uh, food deserts are, are obviously areas or neighborhoods that don't have access to uh, fresh food, vegetables, high-quality food, uh, and are basically left with convenience store options uh, for food, chips, sodas, you know, those types of things. As I was thinking about Surrounded it, by yeah, fast food. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and as I was thinking mm-hmm. about it a little bit, you know, California uh, definitely uh, has a similar problem, but with impairment rating. And uh, therefore, I coined the term impairment rating deserts uh, for California. How would you define an impairment rating desert kind of with respects to the food and financial deserts? Well, the, the impairment deserts have, have two defining criteria. One is it's an area where the uh, stakeholders have access to doctors or clinics that do less than 10 impairment reports a year. So not very many impairment reports. Or it's an area where the stakeholders uh, have access to providers and clinics, but those clinics run at an error rate of over 90% on their impairment results when they do the reporting. So, so those two criteria, um, either or, we'll go ahead and put someone in the red zone, if you will, on the impairment desert map. Where would uh, common areas for impairment deserts be in California? Well, it's, it's interesting. We you know, obviously have the underserved rural areas. And out there, a big issue is there just are not a lot of work comp doctors uh, you know, doing high-quality impairment reporting. They're just, they're just not there. But you'll also find... Um, impairment uh, desert areas, also in the more densely populated urban areas. Um, when you get into some of the the big box um, providers, uh, they too uh, tend to be impairment deserts simply because, you know, when, when you when you look at the business models a little more closely um, with these these larger uh, corporate structures, they are really designed for the most part to open claims. They're there for people who have been hurt. They walk in, they need some treatment, they need a couple visits, they maybe need some medication, need some therapy. Maybe they'll see a specialist uh, one or two times, but they're not really set up for a consistent methodical approach to impairment rating. So just because you're out in the rural area or in the um, urban area, you have a good chance of coming across an impairment desert in either one of those situations. I see. So it's not limited to one area or the other. No, no, it's not. It's limited to the uh, clinic and the uh, skill set and uh, talent of the doctors in that clinic. So if you have a clinic that has high turnover, Um, They're mostly on the front end looking to set up cases, open cases, but they're not about closing the cases, um, doing the impairment reports. You know, it it really doesn't matter the size of your clinic, whether or not um, you're going to, uh, you know, be resilient um, from being in the desert or not. Mm -hmm. And these hospitals that have high turnover rates, I expect 
probably see a bit more of the patients just due to the fact that they are larger hospitals that they, I guess, due to their size are just sort of more uh, visible and more popular to an injured person. Yeah. And, you know, hospitals and clinics and in, for those of you who are listening and don't really understand the way this works, that when someone gets hurt, you know, their, their employer calls um, the insurance carrier, the insurance carrier has a network in California. We call it a, a medical provider network or the MPN. And that's where the injured worker is sent for their first visit. So um, it's not like they, you know, walk into any clinic. Um, if, it, if it's a non-urgent visit, uh, you know, they're going to be told where to go based on the network provided uh, by the insurance company. So if that location tends to be an impairment desert, um, you will be directed uh, to get your care there. Mm. And if you are um, in an impairment desert due to sort of uh, an area that has lower claims per year, that generally might mean that you will be sent to an farther away well, yeah, you, de- you definitely will have to drive more as an injured worker, first of all, to get any type of work comp care. Um, the, the worst case scenario and, and the, uh, the driest part of the map, if you will, will be those regions that force um, the injured worker to receive their work comp care in the emergency room setting. Um, that is the absolute worst setting to receive any type of uh, continuity or um, uh, skilled work, work comp management. Uh, as, as you know, work comp is, is not only a, a skill of medicine, but it's a skill of paperwork. Um, ERs are very good at urgent stuff and suturing and broken bones and stuff. But they're not really mm-hmm. trained, uh, set up, or prepared uh, to deal with uh, seeing anyone in the work comp setting, more, really more than one visit in the ER, maybe two if they're doing a follow-up. Yeah, yeah. In the ER, they're generally kind of running around, <laughs> not much time to stop and kind of analyze the injury. That's right, yeah. So a couple of questions that might arise. Can, could an injured worker be sent out of state if that is the nearest place that has a qualified doctor, or do they have to stay in state? So if, if, I'm, if I'm working on the border of California and Oregon and I'm injured and the nearest uh, hospital that does work comp um, is in Oregon, do I actually have to stay within California and go even farther? Well, it's an interesting question, and that becomes more of a legal than a medical question. But <clears throat> typically, the way it is is that if you um, uh, are in the state when you get hurt, and your employer is employing you there, that will be the state rule set um, that you will be managed under and ultimately rated under. Um, now, it's not uncommon <clears throat> for someone uh, to get injured in California, and I'll tell you my experience in the clinic. Um, people are working here; it has a higher cost of living. Um, they get hurt and they're uh, not able to return to work. And so they lose a fair amount of their income and they have to move out of state. Um, So let's say Oregon, not uncommon. So they've been hurt. Their claim is anchored in California, but now they're living in Oregon. So in that situation, um, technically you can have uh, a California uh, work comp doctor, but the question is, A, how are you going to, how are you going to, um, you know, have that doctor meeting take place and then B, you're now in Oregon, and there are not a lot of vendors up there that are going to recognize a California-based insurance carrier. So even if your your California doctor gets you approved for, um, like, let's say, a, a, an orthopedic specialist visit, you're probably going to have to come back to California 
to see that orthopedist because the orthopedist in Oregon does not know how to write the claim, doesn't know how to bill for it, um, you know, doesn't know how to submit, you know, requests for authorizations and so forth. Um, so, you know, you are going to have a very difficult time uh, getting treatment up there. There are patients that can do it. It requires a lot of um, uh, teamwork from the insurance company, the doc, and and the uh, the injured worker. It can be done, um, but more often than not, it's it's a frustrating exercise to work that across the border. Yeah, it sounds like not everybody has the sort of resources to uh, to to do that kind of thing. Some people that are in these uh, deserts have to drive pretty great distances to see their respective uh, doctor for um, their examinations and such. Well, absolutely. And today, um, <clears throat> speaking of impairment deserts, I was uh, just doing a couple of cases. Um, I'm located here north of San Francisco, and we had um, uh, actually a group of patients that were sent to us uh, by a clinic that could not do impairment ratings. And so these individuals uh, had to drive in um, from an area around Sonora, California, um, all the way here to where I'm located. And that was six and a half hours of driving round trip. Uh, one of my patients um, that I saw today, uh, he got up at 2.30 a.m. Uh, to make his appointment here at 10. And, you know, this is, this is not uncommon. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it's, it's a big and ongoing problem uh, that we all face here in California, trying, trying to serve the stakeholders with accurate, you know, consistent and timely impairment ratings. That is, that is, that sounds quite ridiculous that that's something that somebody who got injured on their own time at work doing their job has to go and do that sort of thing just to sort of get some quality quality care and care at all for their injury that they that they suffered. Yeah, and when you think of it really, Corey, it's it's really an inconvenience to everyone. So the employer, if if the employee is working for them, the employer loses that that patient for at least a day, the worker. Um, the insurance carrier has to pay all that mileage, you know, to, to get them in front of the doctor. Um, and oh, yeah. you know, now the, um, the the primary treating clinic has to coordinate one more referral you know, that goes out and so forth. And when the impairment reporting is taken out of the PTP's office of the primary treating physician's office, um, you know, it, beco it becomes more delay, more expense, um, you know, for the stakeholders and, and no one really uh, wins. The, the problem is, is, as we've discussed in prior podcasts, you know, impairment rating has become so complicated, so rule driven, and it's so multi-layered that the average uh, person really, you know, in work comp really has a difficult time making any sense of how to approach an impairment report and do it systematically and make sure that, you know, everything is <clears throat> included in the report and uh, the report's done correctly. And it's, it's you know, no different than uh, trying to price out the value of a damage to a home after, you know, a fire or an earthquake and all these things. You just have to have the method to it. Um, but you can imagine if, uh, you know, we were just sending some general contractors uh, to like one of the wildfire areas and uh, having them uh, try to price the damage of the homes. You know, they build the homes, um, you know, but pricing it from an insurance and actuary standpoint is something obviously very different. And that's a nice parallel between uh, the insurance industry and uh, work comp impairment rating. Yeah, I hear that. There's mm -hmm. there's so much involved and. In Sometimes people just want their treatment. <laughs> or sometimes it, it and it's just not as easy as that. So 
Yeah, and there, and there are also those those injured workers who just want out, right? They they just want to get their claim price. They want to move on. They don't want to go to any more, you know, clinics. They don't, you know, they don't want to be seen anymore. But they're sort of trapped because the desert, you know, doesn't have uh, any means for getting them that impairment report, and so they just kind of sit there and they get stuck, or they just forfeit everything and just refuse to ever come back. And that's not really the intent of the system. Um, you know, we want to make sure everything is documented properly, uh, priced out properly, um, apportionment, and all their future care. That's that's really the bottom line is is getting the stakeholders the services um, that the law has set up. What is the what is the solution to this kind of the bigger issue of um, of impairment deserts? How uh, how can this problem be approached and, and overcome? Well, as we said earlier in the podcast, there's re- there's really two barriers. One is the geographic barrier for a lot of people um, getting to a doctor's office um, that's a reasonable distance. That's one. And then number two is the doctor's ability to understand and appropriately apply the guidelines for the impairment rating. Um, Back when we found RateFast, we found RateFast for this very reason. We wanted to give providers um, an easy tool that they could use that would basically guide them through the history and the physical examination to make sure that the reports were done consistently and correctly every time. I won't go into the details, but if you look at impairment reports, not only um, between clinics in California, but within clinics, when doctors are in the same practice writing impairment reports, they're wildly different in their um, in their accuracy and their consistency of the content. And, and so giving the doctors a tool that will help them organize and consistently approach the impairment, that's half of the desert. The other one is getting out of the desert to that doctor that can do an impairment report. And this is really where we're revolutionizing now is telemedicine. So, for instance, um, today, of those people that came out of the desert over there um, in Sonora, California, two chose to drive. One chose to do it by telemedicine. And so um, he's much better off uh, with regards to his uh, sleep and, you know, driving and gas and all that stuff um, than the other two. But, you know, we now live in a day where it's pretty much um, understood and accepted that telemedicine um, is going to be a continued growing market segment. And it really works nicely for a situation like impairment deserts. Because people can basically be at home and have access uh, to an expert with expert software and know that they're going to get top quality impairment rating quickly and fairly. And and that really is the solution for getting the injured workers and the stakeholders out of the desert. Saves a heck of a lot of time. It really does. And and just going back to that old saying, time is money. It really is. And um, you know, driving for <clears throat> six and a half hours, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of resources that go into doing that. So, John, is there anything else that you would like to add about impairment deserts? Well, on the way out of the door, I just wanted to uh, make our listeners aware that the impairment desert is very real. It's uh, all around us. It is very costly and it is very frustrating uh, for uh, California work comp. As I said, 
Uh, we live in a system that's uh, very complex, very rule-oriented, and uh, very specialized. And the impairment uh, desert is here uh, because of this system. Um, solutions, as we said before, number one, uh, getting a tool into the stakeholders' hands, uh, such as RateFast, um, to organize, approach, and consistently um, deliver impairment reports. Uh, that is step one. And then, of course, step two is um, uh, having a delivery method where the uh, provider and the injured worker um, can enter the data for the uh, visit, such as telemedicine, and uh, save large amounts of uh, time and resources driving and uh, trying to find um, an evaluator um, you know, with this particular skill set, et cetera. So um, if uh, <clears throat> you look forward onto uh, RateFast, hopefully in the next um, uh, weeks or so, we will be posting um, the California Impairment Rating Desert, and uh, that can be found when uh, you come to our website, which is rate-fast.com. Perfect, John. Thank you so much for your time today. Okay, thanks for having me again. For more about Impairment Rating Deserts, and the RateFast cloud-based software, please visit us at www.rate-fast.com and drop into our blog at blog.rate-fast.com.